Okay, almost halfway there. We have Mike Vick today. We'll break down some of the action from the week and also the hardest he's ever been hit story, which was incredible because I know the guy that hit him. And we'll do a little life advice. This one's big, 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 big at the end of the show and NFL awards, which I'm really excited about. But first, today's episode of the Ryan Rosillo podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Get great car and home insurance from State Farm at a surprisingly great rate. That's like drafting a player that becomes an all pro, the real deal. If you were Belichick, you're like, I don't want State Farm. I don't like drafting all pros. We'll get to that in a second. State Farm agents provide personalized service so you can customize your insurance to fit your needs like a GM putting together their very own roster. You need a team that supports you, and State Farm's got a great one. In addition to agency, award-winning mobile app helps manage coverage, pay bills, file claims, and more. With a great price and even greater service, State Farm goes from strength to strength. Choose insurance that always brings its A-game. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's Ryan Rosillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter-player props player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older, 18 plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode of the Ryan Rosilla Podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. McDonald's French fries changed my life. They taught me to want. They taught me the taste of anticipation. There's no wrong way to eat a French fry from McDonald's unless you're eating my French fries. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. Okay, awards. We have a few of them and our Bill and Tom rankings, which I've already alluded to there a bit. But my first award is the Michelle Beadle I'm Not Going to Watch Football Award, and I'm going to give that award to me because it dawned on me last night, and everybody's a little screwed up from the extra hour. Did you see any jokes from people last night talking about how 2020 doesn't need an extra hour? Has anybody used that yet? Because I may, maybe I'll use it later this week. Feels like uh, nobody else did that. All right, the reason I'm giving out this award is because I realized once again, the Sunday night window, another NFC East battle. I'm boycotting NFC East games until one team is over 500. And somebody's like, hey, you know, are you watching Danucci? And I go, you know, I could, but uh, I'm not. I'm not. And it was personal for me. I'll admit, most of you, hey, look, extra football. We got football on. Everybody loves football. But I don't love the NFC East, and I haven't for a long time. I did a pretty harsh rant about the Giants being in primetime games. I was like, cool, they score 12 points. That's awesome. Um, but I'm not watching the NFC East until one team is over 500, okay? And then I sent a text to somebody. I go, let me guess. Wentz is going to struggle. Danucci's going to maybe make a play or two that the broadcasters will oversell. Then Wentz will make some play at the end, and they'll probably win because Dallas' defense is terrible. But Wentz isn't any good now either, which I'm starting to figure, like, is this guy just one-year fluke guy like some of these other quarterbacks that I argue about all the time? Because Wentz just went from, hey, no weapons, let's see what happens, to no, I actually just think he's bad. And I don't know if he's getting freaked out or what. If he's had one of those things where all of a sudden he just, he can't handle the fact that he doesn't have protection and now it's like more in his head. Because that does happen to some quarterbacks, certainly not great ones. Great ones fight through it. Um, He physically, I think, was on the path to being a great, well, I shouldn't even say that. but he was going to probably win the MVP in 2017. And the thing that I also figured out last year was that Wentz, people love him that played the position. There's so many ex-quarterbacks that have defended Wentz because they see that wow moment, that thing that he can do that very few other guys can do. And honestly, he doesn't do it enough to make up for all the terrible mistakes, not feeling pressure, making risky plays that are just bad. So I was like, Wentz is going to have some bad moments. You're going to be like, what the hell is going on here? Jalen Hurts is going to be trending on Twitter. Uh, And then Wentz will have some play at the end where it actually works and they'll win, but you're not going to feel any better. I'm like, so why do I need to watch this game for three and a half hours where I already know it's going to happen? And that's kind of close to what happened. Although the Danucci sidearm clip that I saw a little bit later. So I just realized I'm not watching this NFC East and I'm not watching that game last night. And again, it is personal, not only because of the Giants run. And and sorry, folks, like you could sit there and, and want these games to be flexed. I want them to be flexed too. But when it's in the New York market, including Rutgers footprint, when it's 
Philadelphia when it's DC. And then on top of that, it's the Dallas Cowboys. Like there's a reason that Sunday night games are always those teams because the ratings are that great for them, despite how bad the product is. It's three of the eight worst offenses in the league. And if you want to tell me that Washington's defense is actually pretty good, all right, fine. But the defensive numbers are going to be better because the offenses are so bad in this division other than Dallas statistically, but Dallas is going to fall like a rock here considering who you have at quarterback the rest of the way. The only, you know, it sucks that Dalton got hit like that, but considering Dalton's primetime um, performances in the past, like the Dallas, him being in the NFC East is the worst place for Dalton when you look at how bad he was in some of those night games during his years in Cincinnati. And yes, the last part of it that that feels personal, all those nights in Connecticut, cold, dark, another Sunday, another weekend with 20 plus hours of football, not doing anything, not having any friends, and I order a pizza and watch the Giants score nine points. And I'd be like, I don't want to spend another Sunday doing this. So I didn't. And it's fine. We're all going to be okay. The Edamame Award goes to Matthew Stafford. The Edamame Award essentially is something that's around a lot. And we, we it's, it's, it looks good or everybody seems to like it or I'm not sure if they do or not. But everybody just orders it all the time. And really all you're eating is salted leaves. Um, you don't eat the outside part of it because it's disgusting. The beans are kind of whatever. I mean, look, I've eaten it. You've eaten it. There's probably women in your life that order like two or three helpings of it. But I, I don't know, like, does anybody ever crave it? Does anyone ever say, you know what would go great right now? Some edamame. Yeah, I think you could lick salt off of plastic, and it would basically be the same thing. Maybe coarse salt, maybe a Himalayan salt. Um, any any salt really would do. But I, it doesn't taste like anything. It's just people order it. And yeah, if you dump other seasoning all over it, but nobody would say, hey, here's an oak leaf with paprika, cumin, and, and coarse salt. Let's hey, we should get another bowl of this. So with Stafford, he throws for 336, three touchdowns to one pick. He did get sacked. And if you take out his 10-yard scramble, his team ran for 20, no, not even 19 yards. So they barely, they weren't even two yards per carry. I'm actually shocked the Lions were three and three coming into this Colts win. By the way, quick for Phillip Rivers ever since that Cleveland game where I was like, look, he looks a little lost and throwing mad interceptions, um, meaning disappointed, not in the cool way. Uh, he's been, he's rebounded nicely here in the last two games, Cincinnati and then D Detroit. So yeah, the Colts are five and two, but Stafford is, is he, Stafford is only 32 years old. We know he's had some injury stuff, but he sits at 18th in total yards and he's going to pass at least Elway or Eli Manning. I mean, he's got 15,000 yards to go for Eli. So if he plays five more years at 3,000 yards in offenses today, okay, so maybe Eli is the cutoff. I don't know if he's going to pass Matt Ryan or not. I mean, everybody hates Matt Ryan. I, I don't quite get that one. Some of these quarterback positions, by the way, side note, like it's like, wait a minute, do you like Cam? Yeah, I like Cam. Do you not like Cam? Oh, um, yeah, I don't really like Cam. And then it turns into like just nasty. Like the nasty Matt Ryan stuff seems weird. The anti-Cam stuff, as he struggles, it's like, wait, were you at the Sturgis rally then? I'm like, what? No, I just said that I thought Andrew Luck was better than Cam Newton. Sorry. But Breeze, Hall of Famer, 79-8. He's going to be 80,000 yards. Brady, Peyton, Hall of Famer. Favre, Hall of Famer. Marino, Hall of Famer. Rivers is six all-time in yardage. He's probably going to end up in the Hall of Fame. I don't know. Roethlisberger, certainly a Hall of Famer. Eli's not a Hall of Famer, but will be in the Hall of Fame. Two, two, uh, two Super Bowls and the 57,000 yards. Matt Ryan in front of him, Elway. So Stafford's going to end up getting in that group. Um, he's going to. As far as touchdowns all time, he's 18th there. Uh, maybe not as much of a lock to get into the top 10 because he's about 100 behind the 10th spot or the 9th spot in this one. But they're all Hall of Famers in front of him. And then you're going to go like, wait a minute. If Stafford keeps playing another five season, putting up decent numbers, which again, that's only until like 37, 38, it's, it's far from impossible. Is he a Hall of Famer? He's 0 for 3 in his playoff career. 0 for 3. Now, one team, one year they got blown out, gave a ton of points. Another team, it was, it was close. And then against Seattle, they scored six points. So I, I think he's good. I know I really like him. I think he's really talented. But I swear he's going to play like, 18 years have monster numbers right next to all these other Hall of Famers, and I'll still really not know how to feel confident discussing him one way or another. The Bill Belichick No Excuses, No Days Off, Do Your Job Award goes to 
Bill Belichick, who famously doesn't want any excuses, never takes a day off and wants everyone just to do your job. And yet he made excuses in a radio conversation with Charlie Weiss on Sirius XM radio. Now, let's be fair here. Bill has a relationship with Weiss. Weiss asked about the younger players on the roster playing. And Bill used this quote and said, this is kind of where we take it to. I would say adjust our cap from the spending that we've had in accumulation of prior years. We just haven't been able to have the kind of depth on a roster we've had in some of the other years. That's provided more opportunity for younger players. So it's a combination of all the reasons. Okay. Now, again, to be fair, he went on with Weiss and gave him more of an in-depth thing. And I think it's cool that Weiss probably hit him up. was like, hey, do you want to come on and talk with me, a guy you've known? And Bill was like, yep, no problem. And you're like, look, it's a nice way of saying how, how come this team sucks. Um, but he's had the opt-outs. And any conversation that starts with Belichick, hey, he actually sucks. And it was all Brady. Like, that's unfair, too. And that's kind of a conversation stopper. So let's dig into what he said here. Because Mr. No Excuses, No Days Off, Do Your Job, hasn't done his job really well lately. Um, I don't know if it's because he's taking days off, but he's using an excuse, but he's using the wrong one. So he's talking about the younger players and all the cap things that he's wanted to reset. So uh, we know that the biggest problem is, is that Brady basically was like, look, I'm out. I want more respect. Bill, for whatever reason, uh, I think there's some weird, prideful, petty stuff. And I also think there's some decline in Brady that he saw because Brady wouldn't be putting up these same numbers in Tampa that, that he's putting up now in Tampa in New England with the lack of weapons. But the lack of weapons are Bill's fault. And so his excuse should have been, hey, I haven't drafted really well. But he didn't want to say that, did he? So if we go back to it, as we did over a week ago on this podcast, which this became a major, major talking point, both nationally and locally, uh, again, because you start looking at this roster going, God, this roster is actually really bad. Um, and we know that the NFL cap is not the NBA cap. You can't rework stuff in the NBA. Once your cap screwed over, your cap screwed over. The NFL allows you to do some different things if you have players that you want to extend and kind of lessen the cap hit and extend the years on the deal, even if some of those years are fake years. But for Bill to say this is like all cap related and wanting to kind of reset it going into the next year, uh, it's just it just doesn't really hold up. It just doesn't. All right, so the Pats are spending the second lowest amount at the quarterback position of any team in the NFL. So just by having that limited amount of money going to the cap at QB should be a huge advantage. And for New England, it isn't. Also, New England is a cash cheap team. And you can't really say, hey, well, you know, they're really cheap and that's why they suck. Um, but when you're cheap and then don't have quarterbacks, that's when you're probably going to suck. According to Mike Sando's stuff from The Athletic today, uh, they said the Pats are 32nd in the NFL in cash spending since 2016. And according to numbers that executives would have that shared with him, they said that the Pats have spent about $100 million less in cash than the average, the NFL average, over that time. But if you're going to give this in-depth answer and use the cap as an excuse for why the roster is the way that it is, you're being misleading. And you're conveniently leaving out the better excuse, but that better excuse is solely your fault. So it's the fact that the last Pro Bowler that you drafted was Jamie Collins. And that really the last stud, and I'll, I'll even allow Dante Hightower as another stud from the 2012 class, but there are very few other teams. You know what? You know what GMs, GMs who draft as poorly as Belichick has drafted in the last eight years? You know what they're called? Get up's next guest for the Bees. All right. And Belichick doesn't deserve to be fired. None of that stuff. But, you know, Bill could have really owned this and gone, hey, I need to do a better job drafting. But he wasn't going to do that, was he? He was going to blame the cap. So Mr. No Excuses used the wrong excuse. <laughs> Updated Bill and Tom rankings. It looks bad for Bill now. It looks bad. But it's still early. Who knows? A couple pick sixes for Tom. I still love that Chiefs game plan. I'm not going to lie to you. I blame Brian Hoyer for that one, not Bill Belichick. But Tom is is still number one. Bill, number two in this week's legacy rankings. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it's been a while. So. I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. I was like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. 
they told me the estimate ahead of time, said, you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand it's all in front of me, all done. I don't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Hey, Mike Vick, NFL legend, Fox Sports, joins us uh, as he does on some Mondays throughout the season, so I appreciate him for that. There are bigger games that we want to get to, but everybody was really excited to see Tua throw. Some of these left-handed, like, I didn't realize how rare of a breed you guys were. Like, it's just, there's just, it's, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, so, so seeing Tua really made people pay attention to the lack of lefties in the world. Like, it's, it's truly evident now. When, the, when was the last time we anticipated seeing one? You know, people didn't it's, even anticipate seeing me. I know it's it's actually like the numbers are so much lower than you would think, you know, especially when you think right, about right. like, you know, guys that shoot left handed basketball, left handed pitchers are yeah. pitchers because they are left handed. But the left handed quarterback. OK, let's let's actually I didn't plan on doing this. I've had people say the reason there are less left handed quarterbacks is that it really screws up your offense with blocking and routes. And all. Is any of that true? Yeah, it's true. I mean, more so. um you know, screw up the coaches if you ask me. I think coaches just feel like everything has to, if you're left-handed, everything has to go left. You got to sprint left, boot left. You got to set the protections left. So so quarterback and see that. And, and then, you know, just in, in the game in general, you know, the left tackle is very important. You know, and, and for us, it becomes the right tackle, our blindside tackle. And, you know, it, 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 it creates a different framework and infrastructure. And, and a lot of coaches don't like to dive into it that deep. I know when I was in Philly, we coaches called everything to the left, you know, and we said, but we, we made it work. But I used to always tell coach, you know, I can go right too. And, and he used to do it at times when he, when he felt comfortable with it. Um, but, you know, I, I just think coaches just got to pay attention to, you know, making this guy ambidextrous so you can go both ways. Okay, so Tua, I loved in college. We know the injury. There's some different debates on why he even played. I, I always kind of defer to the staff. They're the ones watching him practice the whole time. I can't imagine that they didn't like him and then decided to start him over Fitzpatrick when by Dolphin right. standards, it's a, it's a good season. The numbers were low. There were some turnovers in there that led to this being a one-sided game. What did you see with Tua, Mike? Um, well, I like the fact that, um, that he got hit early and he bounced up. You know, we was all concerned about his health. Um, he took a big hit, a welcome to the NFL type of hit, and he got up and, and, you know, he just kept going. He kept going, and it wasn't the easiest task. When I think about this game in totality, I think about um, Aaron Donald being on the other side. And, and just being able to beat Aaron Donald on any given day is a, is a positive. So to be able to get out of that stadium with a win it was a plus. Uh, it wasn't pretty uh, for Tua, but, you know, he's 1-0. And you can't take that away from him. Now, do you think early on in your career, because your arm was just so powerful that you wanted to show it off more than than some of the in-between throws? Because I think guys with big arms want to show it all the time. Did it take you a while to learn to throttle down a little bit? Yeah, it took a long time. I mean, <laughs> I even had problems with that when I was in Philadelphia. I mean, when, when you've got a strong arm, you... You don't know how to gauge it all the time. And you got to practice and practice and, and throw crossing routes and short routes and quick slants. And, you know, because you got to learn to gauge that, you know, in, in, in the actual game. And if you don't, then now you got bullets coming at guys 
when they're not used to seeing it. They they like tempo too, um, in terms of you know they hand out coordination with the football. So they there's something that they get used to. So I always wanted to, you know, let my guy know how this ball is gonna come out, how a slant might come out, a hitch might be fired at you, or you know, a deep comeback might be um, you know, sailed a little bit, you know, so they have time to get out of the route and come back down and catch it. Uh, so it's a lot, a lot of attention to detail at the quarterback position that you know I would teach, you know, if I was teaching guys how to throw the ball and, and throwing certain routes. The Steelers are undefeated. Uh, incredible, really, second-half comeback when you look at what Baltimore did to their offense. I think both Pittsburgh had 60 yards of offense in the first half. They come out, they score right away. They, they force Lamar into some mistakes. But we're seeing a different version of Ben where, you know, look, last year doesn't play – Two years ago, maybe he's banged up. But this was a team that chucked the ball down the field, and maybe no Antonio Brown yeah. is part of that. But they're not putting the ball in the air, and they're undefeated, and they're winning. What are you seeing from the offense? Well, I like the fact that they got balance. Uh, they can run the football. Uh, James Conner, I think the running back, the other running back is Snell. Still a couple guys in rotation. Um, they're doing a great job, and, and, and the receivers are stepping up. Uh, you got to highlight Chase Claypool. Claypool is, is stepped up. Um, you know, living up to, you know, all the hype coming out of Notre Dame. And, and uh, Pittsburgh has always been a breeding ground for receivers. You know, just look at the history. I don't, I don't even have to talk about it. They always got good receivers. So they found a good one in him. And then, you know, those guys make big man job easy. You know, we already know he, he, he know how to play the game. He's, he's a quarterback savant. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just about how he want to, you know, move the offense, how, to, how he wanted to look, who he wanted involved. Uh, each and every weekend with different design routes. And I seen them doing things yesterday, just taking advantage of all the talent they had on offense, man. And, and when you got the defense that's going to back you up, then, I mean, football is easy. It, it's fun, too. And, uh, you know, certainly Big Ben's offense, you know, and being within itself, you know, I thought he's been through over the last couple of years, can, can have fun playing the game the way it's supposed to be played, generate offense, defense to go out and have fun. You got good coaching. You you in the steel city, it's all good. Now, when you watch different offenses, can you tell right away, like, okay, these guys are running really basic stuff and these guys are running something complicated? I imagine you can, right? Like Yeah, you, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so, watching Dallas last night. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I imagine that that wasn't super complicated what Dallas was running. Yeah, it, it wasn't. And I looked at it, I was like, all right. So, what are you supposed to do, right? You know. Yeah, you got a rookie out there, you're going to treat him like a rookie. Yeah. Now you got a rookie quarterback out there. You're treating him like a rookie. You know, call the plays like you were for Dak, for him. And then evaluate him on Monday. And if he's not the guy, then I'm pretty sure it's maybe two to 300 guys lined up that would have loved to have that opportunity that he had last night. You know, when you get chances, opportunities like that, you got to take advantage of it. And, and Lucci didn't do that last night. So, you know, I would be evaluating the talent level, but at the same time, not to get off script, you know, the coaches got to look, football is hard. It's supposed to be sophisticated. It's supposed to be complex. And I feel it is what it is. So, so don't, don't take, don't take your foot off the gas, you know, trying to coach, you know, coach and help a guy through a game because, you know, he got a defense on the other side of the ball and they coming. So I, I want the best stuff. Give me the best stuff to win coach. Who was the best for you? Um, as far as catering what they wanted to do. I mean, I imagine it's Reed, and, and especially in that one season in Philadelphia, but what's the most in tune you felt with with the staff, with the play calling, and them letting you do whatever you wanted? No, it was Philadelphia, and I was, I was with Andy for four years, from 2009 to 2012. And even up to the last game that I played for Andy, uh, when, we, when Coach knew he wasn't coming back, when I wasn't happy with him leaving, um, you know, I still I understood every game plan that he ever put in front of me. And, you know, even though it was, you know, complex, you know, coach made it so that, you know, the quarterback and coach relationship, we understood what needed to be done. All we had to do was teach everybody else what they needed to do so we can execute. So, you know, coach always made it crystal clear to me what he wanted. And if I wasn't clear, then I would surely say something. And that's why we had the success that we had. Because the reason I bring it up, because I actually do want to jump back and, and spend a little bit more time on Pittsburgh and Baltimore, is that is Baltimore running 
like you had said they're all in tune, everything's working. Is is what they run complicated? Because Ben basically said at halftime, yeah. and sometimes I'm not quite sure what to believe with anything. And maybe Ben in particular a little bit more than others. But he said, look, I just started kind of drawing it up in the dirt and playing some backyard football in that second half. So that tells me it's more on him and less on what they called in that first half. So I yeah. just what do you see in the course of three hours of that game? Yeah, well, well Ben to to make that comment uh, and you know, Ben is saying that because they have so many plays. He's not okay. So they're it complicated. He's just drawing, look, right? Yeah, complicated. But he's just pulling like, you know, it, it's it's complicated and it's even more complicated stuff. So, you know, sometimes for a quarterback, it's just easy to just start simplifying things and not really drawing up. But this is what we were running in the backyard of. We was really trying to, you know, beat. You know, if we wanted to to, to move the ball, if we was playing backyard football, I would run this. Easy slant curl combination, slant flat combination, curl flat combination, something easy. Put the ball in the hands of your playmakers. I think that's that, that's what he meant by that. When you had a liberty to do that um, and slow the game down and, and simplify it, man, that's when everybody can just play fast. So sometimes it can be com- too complex where um, it speeds the mind up instead of slowing it down. At, at the quarterback position, you want to you want to slow your mind down. Um, so you can just relax in the moment and, and, and make good decisions. When I look at the Baltimore game plan, especially in that last drive where Lamar's still going to throw to win the football game and it was yeah. the right throw and Minka Fitzpatrick makes a great play. I mean, it's hard to throw it from that far out to get it to the end zone. On the previous possession, he ran it from the 30. It's not where the ball was spotted, but when he ran it in from 30 yards out in that kind of defense, like that's nuts. I, I seriously yeah. think it's you and him are the only people that could ever do it from 30 yards out where all the eyes are still on you because the route had already yeah. kind of run its course. I don't know if that reminded you of you. Maybe Kyler. I don't know. I'm trying to think of how many no, guys no, no. can do it's that. Certain, yeah, yeah, not too many. Uh, Kyler, like I think it's three. One. Yeah, it's only, yeah, it's only there's only a couple of us that that can get in there from thirty and and, and do it in a way where you just got to navigate a couple of defenders and you know really uh, you know dig deep, man. You know dig deep, man, and doing it all, doing it all in one play. And, uh, you know, it, it was beautiful. And every time I see Lamar make a run like that, I always try to visualize what would I have done. Uh, I know what it's like because I know what it's like to be in the open field. And, you know, you see eye, guys' eyes just, you know, they're so big, man. And you know you got them right where you want them. And that's the luxury that you have as, as a running quarterback. Um, the only thing is, man, when you put yourself in harm's way, them dudes try to take advantage of you. Have you noticed that this is happening on the slide? And it happened with Russell Wilson. I don't know if it's so much on that Dalton play from last week, but quarterbacks are realizing everyone's so afraid to hit them that they're getting extra yardage on these slides. Like they're going into a yeah. slide, but then they're getting a few more yards. I think guys are going to start getting popped more because of it. And I don't really know what the defense is supposed to do. Like I'm not supposed – again, it's not me out there, but yeah. like it happens on sideline plays where guys are peeling yeah. off and then everybody's taking advantage of it now. I think guys are going to start getting hit again. Yeah, what um, I don't understand is how guys are uh, getting all these personal foul penalties when they rushing the quarterback. And, and look, I, I understand the integrity of the game, and we gotta, you know, protect the quarterback. I was a quarterback; I always wanted to be protected. But I think uh, sometimes the the defensive linemen, you know, are put in uh, vulnerable situations where, you know, they they taught to get after the quarterback all week, and then you know, on Sundays you get there, and you really can't get after the quarterback. Like that too. Um, so you know those guys at a disadvantage. I feel bad. Um, if the quarterback gets outside of the pocket. You know, it, it's up to you to know what what what's going on in your surroundings. And uh, you know, if you lose sight of that and you get your your head knocked off, it's on you. But you better get down. Don't be like me. Learn how to slide. This episode of the Ryan Rosilla podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. McDonald's French fries changed my life. They taught me to want. They taught me the taste of anticipation. There's no wrong way to eat a French fry from McDonald's unless you're eating my French fries. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. 
Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. What's the worst you ever got popped? Is there one hit you remember more than any of the others? Hey, yeah, yeah. Brian Dawkins hit me in the 2000, 2002 playoffs. Uh, we was in the vet. The last game I think that was ever played at the vet. Uh, no, I'm mistaken. Uh, second to the last game. And, uh, man, Brian Dawkins laid it on me. And it was similar to what happened in the game yesterday, and I thought about this, and I told my friend about it. Um, Lamar ran the touchdown for 30 yards, and it got called back. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I, I want to make sure. This, I'm glad that you did that right. because they did end up calling back on a hold, but it was just yeah. such a stupid play how good it was. Right. And, and, and in that same very, that same playoff game, on that same play that I got hit the hardest in, in, in my life by Brian Dawkins, I broke for 30, scored in a 30-yard touchdown run, and and Brian Dawkins, like, he just he tried to obliterate me. He tried to take me out of my misery. And, man, let's put it like this. I felt that hit for the next three months in, in my wrist and, and my elbow. But if you go back and look at it. I'm watching it cringe. right now. You'll cringe. Um, yeah, you'll cringe. It's a 30-yard touchdown run, but it got called back because of a hole. Oh, that makes it worse. So you're you're in third quarter, under four minutes to go. Philly's up 13-6 in this game. And you're right. You drop back where your plant foot's just at the 30. You're wide open, 10-5. And Dawkins comes. It's it's weird because you almost look like you could have cut a couple different. Oh, you didn't even see him. Yeah. So so look, so true story. So so I'm running into the end zone. And if, if you see in the left corner of the end zone, you'll see. Sean Jefferson blocking Bobby Taylor. And uh, I'm, I was watching Sean block Bobby because I, I didn't want Bobby to come off that block. And I was like, if he come off the block, I got I to gotta have a plan. I'm already at the 15, 10, 5, and then I get to the end zone and Dawkins out of nowhere. So I never saw him coming. I never saw this man coming. So I'm focusing on what's happening to the left, Sean and Bobby. And Dawkins get a free hit, man. And that was the hardest I've been hit in my life right there. And I just remember hitting the ground, looking up, seeing stars, and I, I counted like 15 of them. Well, real, you, real story. That sucks about the flag, because at least you're thinking, hey, we tied it yeah, up. And, and they and I had this. It back. Yeah, they, yeah, they called it back. So, you know, I, I think that evens the playing field. See, that that's just my luck throughout my career. Um, but, hey, you know, who cares? So a couple of things. Dawkins doesn't get right up. He's, no, we both laid there. Yeah, he, yeah. I never tell that part of the story too. He hurt himself. He hurt himself. He hit me so hard he knocked himself out. And we, we both got up, shook it off, and came right back. And Algie Crumpler standing over you, your big old tight end, and he's he's flicking at your hand, trying to get you to come up, and your hands moving like you're dead. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm. Th- that's when I was counting the stars. So he he telling me to get up, but I was counting the stars that was in the sky. I mean, that, I was just in a totally different space right then. You know, concussion protocol and concussion rules was different back then. I would have been out of that game. And he didn't even hit me in the head. I got concussed by getting hit in the body. That's how hard he hit me. <laughs> and when you watch it, for those that are going to watch it, we'll put this maybe in the clip, is that it's just the perfect body shot. It's not like yeah. this amazing collision at your head. It's it's not right. this this right. oh my god. Like it's just it's so fast yeah. and he hits you so perfectly. And you're right. Like B Doc is a tough guy. We get to know him a little bit at ESPN. I loved working with him, but for him, like he's not he's not having a great time after that hit either. So yeah, it, was, um, it was a body shot that gave me a concussion for sure, no doubt. Okay, speaking of uh, altercations, there that one was a little bit more expected on the football field, but we had Gardner Johnson defensive back for the saints. And then Javon Wims receiver for the bears go at it. Now, if you back it up all the way, um, Gardner Johnson, if you know a little bit more about him, I mean, he's, he's the instigator and he ripped the mouthpiece out of Wims mouth and threw it on the field. And then it was, oh. a, it was like a series or two later where Wims was stewing, waiting to get back at Gardner Johnson. Then he hit him in the head twice, uh, where I guess, Here's something I'd never quite understand, and everybody does it, so I'm I'm on my own on this one. People that get mad at football players for hitting each other when they have helmets on, like it's a fight, okay? And you guys are 
mostly badasses and you're also and you're tuned up for three plus hours trying to protect your body you're getting into physical collisions for three plus hours and in fights people don't go hey let me think here i'm emotionally spent i'm so upset i hate this guy in front of me let me think through all of the different processes no you just punch the guy and whims clearly had been thinking about it the whole time so I almost feel like people don't apply what it would really be like to be out there when guys hit each other in the head with helmets on because you're just pissed off and you want to hit a guy. Like that's it. It's yeah, not you, complicated. You just kind of you just kind of lose your mind. You just kind of lose it, and you know you know how it is in a fight. Once you lose it, you lose it. And I think sometimes on the field, guys think just because you got uniforms on that that you, they can be disrespected. And, and and you just can't disrespect another man. You got to think that's another man in that helmet. You know, that's another man in that uniform. He got that man probably has a family. And I'm pretty sure he got morals and values and and, and and a lot of integrity, you know, for, you know, the, the bigger picture. You know, so so that gets lost. That gets lost sometimes, man. And I, I probably had some altercations where I know I had an altercation with a guy that I won't never say his name, but on the field, yeah, man, he, yeah, yeah, heated words, and it, it just got too intense. And it was, um, you know, he he said too much on one side, and I said um, too much on my side. And, and you know, a much bigger man than me, I I I couldn't take him in a fight. I'll be honest, like, but you know, I just think the level of respect needs to just stay. You know, look, you can talk trash all day, and and I, and I can dish it as much as I can take it, but don't ever get personal. You know, when guys start getting personal, it turns into a different story. So you're never even going to name the guy because I just tried to look. It was a no, fight on an NFL good, field. He's a good friend of mine now. Yeah, yeah he's a good oh. friend of mine now. No doubt, okay. really good. Friend. We, we we became good friends after that. It was really like it was that intense that we had to become friends. Really? All right. See, you're yeah, leaving. Yeah. You're leaving out. Weird. I know it's weird. Yeah, it does sound right, weird. We can move on. Okay. All right. Do you have a Do you have a good fight story from a teammate from a game that you remember? Oh, I got a really cool fight story from, uh, uh, you know, yeah, it was rivals with Car the Carolina Panthers. You know, that's always going to be a rival between Atlanta and Carolina. And uh, Chris Jenkins, my man, I love Chris Jenkins. <laughs> but Chris used to, and like I say, Chris was respectful with his trash talk, but it's just going to go on and on and on. And and, and uh, I don't know, man, I got frustrated one time, and, you know, I just, I just decided to run my six feet, 200 and, 12 pound frame into a man that was six four, you know, probably three twenty, and I ran into him and I hit him and went, and before I knew it, I was looking up counting the stars again, and it was just that's when I learned I'm too small to be beefing with bigger guys. I let him have it. I let him have it. I gave him everything I had. I ran into him trying to knock him down, and he just stood there, just was laughing, standing over top of me, laughing. And that's when I was. I really learned to pick and choose my battles wisely. You got to be smart out here in this world. The first thing, Chris Jenkins at 300 plus, because I think you're right, is he was one of those 300 pound guys who looked really good. Like didn't, yeah, it yeah, wasn't oh yeah, sloppy. No and at his peak, yeah. he was a menace. I mean, his, yeah, he, his, he was mean. The he way, was mean. And then we met him, he came up to ESPN and he was kind of one of those asshole types, but he was funny. He was right. he, like, he was going to be an asshole to you, but it was going to be kind of yeah. funny. And yeah, like, he yeah, started yeah. right in with me. I mean, he didn't know me. He's like, you look like one of those lacrosse dudes that did steroids after. And I was like, all right, cool. Chris Jenkins really? and Stu. <laughs> yeah. He was kind of like fucking with wow. me a little bit just to see. And it wasn't yeah. like, oh, now I don't like you, but it's, it always right. throws you off. Like yeah. Takeo Spikes, yeah. when he first came in studio, I was like, all right, I freaking love this guy. I love this dude. Right. And he right. had like a presence about him. Steve Smith came by and was just like firing on everybody, like kind of messing with right. you. And you were kind of like, yeah. I don't know. And Jenkins sat down and just was like, look, I'm going to, I'm just going to give random guys shit left and right because he might've been trying out for a spot too, like at ESPN. Right. So he wanted to build up the personality. It wasn't like I was oh, bothered, yeah, but it's just, see. it right. always throws you off from the minute one where you're like, oh, but he was an awesome, awesome player. So I'm not even yeah, knocking. Yeah, good dude. Yeah. Good dude. Oh, good dude. Okay. I have two other things I want to get to because I know you're going to run. Um, if we do the list of Super Bowl teams right now, where if this team wins a Super Bowl, it's not a surprise. How long do you think that list is for you? Um, probably I can count on one hand. Uh, I would say the Kansas City Chiefs, Pittsburgh Steelers, switch to the NFC. Uh, 
The Seattle Seahawks. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Baltimore Ravens. That's the Super Bowl list. That's it. Because Super Bowl list, mean, I mean, those are teams that they got to have the it factor somewhere. And I think all five of those teams have the it factor somewhere. Um, I can't think of too many other teams right now, but yeah, that's my list. And leaning towards Pittsburgh slash uh, Kansas City in the in the in the Super Bowl between those two. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If I had to just say, look, this is what it's going to I mean, if I, you know, if I can create it, you know, mentally. Well, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know that there's many arguments with it. Uh, it still feels like the no. AFC is deeper at the top, but maybe, you know, some would probably push back on Baltimore. Uh, I think what Baltimore did in the first half against the Steelers defensively was so dominant that I, I yeah. wouldn't quite write them off. And I'm with you on Russ, but that defense is terrible. Seattle's defense is yeah. so bad that it. I don't, I don't know if that comes back to bite him, or I don't know if not being able to keep up with some of the offenses like Tampa right. or like right, Kansas right. City, like it, can Baltimore keep up with their offense? Can Roethlisberger win a shootout at this point? Right. Um, and right. a lot of this is all going to change because most of these teams that we're talking about, like, we could be going, what happened to them at the halfway part? And you're like, well, they lost five right. starters. And that's that's all it yeah. that really came down to. Yeah, yeah. And Tampa's defense is off the chart. Like, I don't, I don't think – I think the Tom Brady part of it is so overwhelming that nobody really looks at how great Tampa's defense has been, Mike. Man, Tampa's defense is – like, I, I look at Tampa's situation like – well, Tom's situation like Ben's situation. We got weapons – on offense, we can we can go have some fun, man. We we just gotta find a way to, to, to condense it and cook it up. But we got defenses that's gonna support us and back us, and, and we got good defensive coordinators, and they 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 know schemes, and we make teams inferior of, of us. Man, it, it ain't a better feeling in the world than that at the quarterback position. I only had it a couple times in my career where it's just like, man, we we gonna we gonna beat them today. We gonna beat them. We gonna beat them. And, and, you know, other than that, it's been a lot of – I went into a lot of games saying I'm going to have to be Superman. Um, I got to carry the load, you know. But when you don't have to do that, you can take that pressure off yourself, like what's being created in Tampa and Pittsburgh, man. Even Kansas City, too. Like, Patrick don't have a lot to worry about. Everybody else got to – even Aaron Rodgers, as good as they are, you know, his defense is not going always, you know, um, you know, help. It was looking that way for a minute, but, you know, the flaws started to open up and, you know, Good team start to expose the, the things that you don't do so well. Yeah, Dalvin Cook. I mean, have a day because you're looking at Kirk Cousins going. He's been so yeah. bad that I'm expecting that he's just going to have kind of a big Kirk Cousins numbers game. But I think this is two games now, their last two games against Green Bay. I have to double check it, but Dalvin Cook was was incredible. All right, last one. Yeah, no doubt. Was there a part? And you know, granted, look, you're this big time player on the college scene. You're must watch for all of us. You know, people that didn't even care about Virginia Tech you know all of a sudden be like look I don't care what you're doing tonight like I'm watching Vic play and so you're you're used to a certain level of fame but when you look at Atlanta and the way the city uh, supports its teams and knowing that you're a black quarterback in Atlanta too was was there another level of like holy shit like this is a huge deal that maybe even was overwhelming to you yeah, I, I didn't understand it then. You know, I mean, the only thing on my mind was not being labeled a bust. Like, I care less about the city and, and because the city was, wasn't was going to think anything about me if I didn't live up to that number one draft status. So I understood the magnitude of where I was at. I just stayed away from, from all that. Most importantly, my career was everything. Um, you know, I didn't want to be labeled a bust. And, and, and I wanted to, to win football games and change the culture. And, and, and that's what we was able to do. Hey, Mike, enjoy watching you on Sundays. And uh, again, thanks for hanging out with us. No doubt. Appreciate you having me on, man. Anytime. Okay, we got a great life advice for you. And I feel like Miller Lite is just life advice in a can, right? Not that long ago, going out with friends was a little too complicated. You used to worry about where you'd go, what you'd look like, and who you'd invite. But now getting together for a beer with your closest friends isn't so complicated. These days, it's actually, it feels more like it should. 
You could just be yourself with your friends. Maybe that's the way it always should be. And as the original light beer, Miller Light has always believed in this. That's what Miller Time is all about. Uh, I remember probably the favorite, my favorite Miller Light I've ever had is I was, it was unfortunate, but I was shipwrecked. And I was on this island in the middle of nowhere, you know, and this is before GPS. And I was just there hanging out, losing a ton of weight, got great at fishing though. And eventually built this raft and I was, you know, I just, I kind of timed it right, got in the shipping lanes and we had this, it was like, they, they were sending over a ton of semiconductors from somewhere in Asia. And I just, I sort of hit it right. They brought me on, we ate, we hung out and they handed me a Miller Lite. And I'll tell you right now, it's the best, best damn Miller Lite I've ever had in my life. So in a socially distanced world, enjoying a Miller Lite with your favorite people looks different for everyone, but staying connected is just as important. Uh, so Miller time for me is... That's when you know you're in the tier one. You're a tier one guy. If I'm over here saying, hey, you guys want to uh, play around with a little bit of the Miller Lite kit stuff? So that's that's kind of how I want to feel about it. You don't have to be bougie about it, but you know when it's Miller time uh, and you've been invited for it, you know you're a tier one guy. Miller Lite, great taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However, you and your friends are enjoying Miller time, you can have the original light beer delivered by going to MillerLite.com forward slash RR and find the delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Okay, life advice. It is lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. I have one, one bigger one that I'm going to do today. And a, an aside here, uh, thank you to the therapists, the professionals out there, the psychologists, psychiatrists, people that have been firing away a few emails. And you seem to actually like this. And I haven't gotten one. I don't know, Kyle, unless you've seen one, one where it's like, you shouldn't be doing this. You're not qualified, you know, whatever. Uh, no, I'm, you know, I didn't study any of this stuff. I just live in, man, making mistakes, trying to share a little knowledge. That's it. But this is the complete opposite of financial Twitter, which I assume is mostly 90% dickheads. Uh, from the responses that I've seen over the but therapist, uh, mental health, <laughs> I don't even want to call it that. I'm just very flattered by some of the professionals that have chimed in and sent very nice notes about this segment. So I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. Okay. All right. Let's go here. Hey, Ryan, want to start out by thanking you for the content and this segment. I'm going to do my best to keep it short. Well, didn't keep it short, but that's okay. Background on me, 37, single, never been married, make a good living, work in computer industry, non-drinker, but still fun to hang out with. Used to play football, hockey, and wrestle in high school, continued playing hockey until I got hurt and started gaining weight. My story starts over two years ago when I was weighing in at 430 pounds and in the hospital for what they would call a minor stroke. I decided then that I don't want to have to put my, or I don't want to have my parents bury me and change my life around. Since then, I lost 230 pounds by change of diet, walking, and going to the gym. The walking part is so underrated for some of you guys who are just trying to lose a little weight, maybe intimidated by the gym or can't afford the equipment or you don't really know what you're doing. Just going for long walks, man. I know it sounds cheesy, but it's true. Um, so this guy changed diet, walking, went to the gym. During the weight loss journey, he met a girl who he says that he felt, he goes, all right, so during my weight loss journey, I met a girl who I fell in love with. When I met her, I was close to 400 pounds. I thought she was gorgeous, but she had a boyfriend, so I didn't think I would fall for her like I ended up doing. So um, I met her at the restaurant she worked at. After a couple of months of getting to know her and chatting, I realized I had a crush on her. At this point, I had learned that her boyfriend was mentally, emotionally, and physically abusive to her, so I wanted to make sure she knew how I felt. I told her about the crush, and I asked her if she thought I should pursue it at all. She told me she liked spending time with me, but she didn't have the same feelings as she was in a relationship and didn't let herself feel that way. Okay. She did say she wouldn't mind if I pursued it, though, so she still wanted you to pursue it even though she basically was like, look, I'm, I'm dating somebody else. And it sucks that, you know, she's going through this uh, difficult relationship. It's, it's hard when people are going through something difficult. You know, the, the thinking can be uh, not always rational, but it's, again, you don't want to blame anybody here, especially when they're the ones that are going through these things. Okay, so, all right. So she tells you she, didn't, she doesn't feel that way, but she, <laughs> she doesn't mind if you pursue it. So you keep exercising. Um, and I guess it worked out. 
This is a longer email, so people just being patient because I'm I'm writing down little notes here, which I normally don't ever do. Okay. Um, I I kept exercising, losing weight, kept seeing her at work, and after about a year or so, we started hanging outside of her work. Okay, so you were hanging out outside of it. I knew there's a shitty thing to do, but I don't fall in love like this a lot. If her boyfriend wasn't a dirtbag, I would have given up and moved on, but I felt like there was something there. I never physically cheated with her, but she definitely came to me for emotional support a lot, which you could argue was worse. During this time, I tried online dating to try and find someone else to feel this way towards, but it is difficult to meet someone when you're in love with someone else. Also, online dating is a pretty shitty experience when you're looking for more than just finish, uh, physical intimacy, throwing the pandemic, and it's definitely not something I enjoy. I would best describe it as a series of checking boxes followed by a first date that needs to be like the notebook or there isn't a second. Notebook jammed up a lot of us, dude. When the pandemic hit, we started seeing each other a lot less as her work closed down. Again, she was in a restaurant. She called me one day when her boyfriend was out of town cheating on her and we hung out again. Again, nothing physical ever happened. Eventually, she confronted him about th- something she found on his Twitter and they got into an argument which resulted in her leaving him. So she left him over something he, she saw on Twitter, not the part where he left town to cheat on her. <laughs> Fuck. And how dumb is this guy, by the way? Um, and also a terrible guy. All right. So she leaves him. I let her crash at my place for a couple of days before she moved to another friend's place who had an extra room. We were hanging out every day for a couple of months, and I was very aware she was going through a lot, so I wasn't pushing anything on her relationship-wise. I made sure I was there for her as a friend, not someone who was actively pursuing a relationship with her. Her work opened back up, and I helped her fix her car, and then I really stopped hearing from her for about a month. I would ask if she wanted to hang out, but she wouldn't respond until later in that day or a couple days later saying she had her phone off or just forgot. Okay, that's not true. She just didn't want to text you back, man. Um, I went to her work and talked to her, and she said everything was fine. I got to admit, the part where you say you went to her work to talk to her about this, I don't know. I mean, if she's a bartender or she's a waitress or whatever, there's a moment for that to be allowed. But I can tell you from experience that um, when I bartended and guys would like come in specifically to talk to a waitress, that never went over well. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt, but I just think it's at least worth bringing up for yourself if you hadn't thought about it, if that was a turnoff. But it sounds like she liked you coming in and she liked talking the whole time. So it's just something I thought we'd bring up. Okay, she said everything was fine, so I was patient, didn't push it a couple of weeks later. She told me she wanted to move on and that it wasn't about me, but she didn't want to be in a relationship with anyone. So she wanted to move on from you when you guys were friend when she was friend zoning you the whole time anyway. All right, I can't tell if they hooked up or not. I, I think it's a no from this Kyle. I think it's, I think it is. Yeah. Cause every time it's like, never want to push anything. Didn't want a relationship. When he says that we hung out every day for a couple months, but I was aware she was going through. So I wasn't pushing anything on her relationship wise. I want to be there as a friend. So I think this is straight up. It's a lot of time to be putting in, man. Okay. Um, and the fact that she said that you said that she wasn't responding to text or calls until days later and saying, Oh, I just turned my phone off. That's not true. She just didn't want to text you back or she has something else going on. I'm sorry to be so blunt, but that's just exactly what it is. Okay. So she said she didn't want to be in a relationship with anyone. She didn't want me waiting around for anymore. Um, I told her I waited because I thought she was worth it. and I waited through the breakup. So why would I give up now? She told me that I was so much more attractive now and she felt like she was holding me back. I asked if she thought I was attractive. So this is after the guy had lost all this weight. He's pursuing this girl. This is like this girl is his motivation which is really great, man. I mean, it's unbelievable you lost 230 pounds. I asked her if she thought I was attractive, and the response was, quote, I don't think anyone is attractive now. Oh, man. Eesh. That is such a bullshit line. Um, yeah, she doesn't like you. Um, that's pre- very clear. I mean, there's a bunch of things in here that just say she doesn't like you, and that's okay. Not everybody likes us when we like them. But I understand your motivation and kind of the singular focus on this girl. So it hurts. And I'm sure you're bummed out. All right. But when she says, I don't think anyone is attractive now, you already know the answer to this. You're smart enough to do all the, you could just tell the way this is written. You already know. You don't even need me to tell you this, but there's, there's too many red flags in here. She tells you to keep pursuing you, even though she says she doesn't want to date anybody else. She uses you for a place to stay after she dumps the boyfriend, but then doesn't spend any time with you. And then she disappears after you help her fix her car. And then she says that she doesn't find anyone attractive now while she's also building you up, saying you're so much more attractive because she's like in this weird place. And again, she clearly, according to you, has gone through a lot in this relationship. So you can be sympathetic. But remember, the person that's going through the bad thing doesn't get to treat everybody else poorly too. 
too. And I know that from experience because I know when I was younger and I was going through bullshit at home, I would use it as kind of a defense of like, well, whatever, you know, like I don't want to deal with this right now because of something else. Well, that's not fair to the new person. The new person has this guy who wrote the email. He hasn't done anything wrong to this girl. So even though she went through this horrible relationship, she doesn't then get to treat other people like shit and lead them on and use them, which is clearly what she's doing. So yes, her own challenges suck. And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be like closed off on that, but you can't, you can't go, well, she had this awful relationship before. So now I'm going to let her just walk all over me. Cause that's kind of what's happened here, but it's because you cared about her. And if you were in love, you're in love and you're just going to keep pursuing it. And you're not going to be thinking as clearly because you're like, man, I just, I want, it sounds like you try to do everything you can with this girl. All right. So needless to say, this hurts quite a bit and I'm still struggling. I'm not going to hurt myself or anything like that. I'm just sad all the time. I'm sorry to hear that. This happened back in July and my credit hadn't been texting her going to work since then. Oh, by the way, I guarantee if you totally ignore her, um, and then she hits you up and you just say, Hey, you know, things are different now. I'm just not really that interested, but I'm here for you. If you really need anything, then she's going to end up probably liking you. Um, that's what this person sounds like. She sent me a text, uh, saying hi in August and mentioned how much she missed me. Oh, Jesus. All right. So <laughs> that actually did happen. Yeah. I mean, she's got so many red flags here, man. I'm sorry that you really like her. Cause I get it. We don't always love the best people. Uh, we don't always love the people that are best for us, but it just happens. Um, I was very short and nice in my response, simply saying, thanks for reaching out. Let me know if you need anything or something like that. See, he already, already did the thing that I just said was going to happen. All right. Um, and he said he hadn't heard anything from her since you're going to hear from her again. Guarantee you keep ignoring her. She's going to hit you up and that's really going to be up to you. All right. Since this event, I feel like everything's really gone downhill for me. Initially, I did a good job of not allowing my weight to come back, but I pulled something at the gym and they found something next to my heart. They don't know what it is. Okay, man. Sorry to hear that. They told me not to exercise until they know. And I have a CT scan scheduled for mid-November. I hurt my ankle walking. So I haven't been able to do that as much as I want. I've gained about 30 pounds since this incident. My outlook, things have changed. I fell back into a bad eating, uh, bad eating behavior. Before I met her and went through this, I used to be a very happy guy, glasses half full. But now I find myself being very cynical about anything. I've been seeing a therapist, but I'm starting to feel like that's doing more harm than good. Um, I have great friends who've been there for me and are willing to listen. But I hate being the sad guy all the time. So I really... Uh, try not to burden them with this, especially when it's been going on so long. I'm sick of talking about her, so they have to be sick of hearing about her. Yes, let me trust trust me on this one. If you're aware that you're sick of talking about her, your friends are definitely sick of hearing about it. I haven't had a serious girlfriend since high school, and I'm worried that it's going to take me years to get over this one like it did her. Um, I can't determine if I should continue with therapy or try to white knuckle it and just get through this. I feel like my old coaches would tell me to stop being a wimp. It's just a girl. It's temporary injury. Stop the therapy. I have the tiger. Just get back out there. Any advice? All right. Yeah. Look, I mean, all of us are great at telling everybody else to pull up the fucking bootstraps and kick ass when it's not you that's hurting. And I actually think there's nothing more. It's not even arrogance. It's, it's awful. It's, it's just awful when somebody else is like, Hey, just go be a tough guy. Just go be a tough guy. You know, well, okay, well, you're not, you're not the one that's bummed out. You need to move on from this girl. And I think what you did is you were motivated by her to improve yourself, to get her. And you have to now do the same thing. Once you get, look, the medical stuff, scary as hell. Let's just hope it's um, nothing too serious. You figure it out. The ankle's going to feel better at some point and you're going to start working out again because you've already done it. The fact that you've already lost 230 pounds proves that you can do some really, really challenging shit. So give yourself a lot of credit for that because you've already done it. So even if you put 30 pounds back on and you're bummed out, um, you're going to be able to do this again. And that's what you kind of need to focus on. And that's, that's once you're healthy enough to start working out again, start working out for the girl, the next girl, even though you don't know who that is. And yes, you could keep in touch with this girl and I bet she does hit you up at some point says, Hey, you know, I never appreciated you because she's she's selfish. She's selfish for maybe some reasons that aren't her fault. And she's selfish for some reasons that clearly are her fault. And the more you ignore her, she's probably going to go, Hey, you know, I didn't, I took you for granted. And what are you up to? And all these different things when she realizes that you're not paying any attention to her whatsoever. And the longer you let that go on, um, the longer it's going to take to get to day one of saying, all right, I'm just, I'm past this. Now you're the one attached to her. So the rest of us very easily can tell you, Hey man, just get over. Her. Just like your friends are saying, Hey, get over her. I would stop talking to your friends about her all the time because continuing to dwell on it and talk about it over and over and over again, actually just extends the period of time that you're thinking about this person and all these different things. And you don't really want her back. So that's good. So, you know, that's, that's progress here. But I think what you, the biggest thing that you need to do is once you're healthy again and you feel good about everything, don't let this get to 300 pounds. Start working out 
as if you're you're working out for the new person that doesn't exist yet. You don't know who that is. But all of us get over this stuff. We all get over it. Sometimes it takes a really long time, and sometimes it doesn't take any time whatsoever. You spend way too much time thinking about this person. You already know that, and you need to do whatever you can to eliminate it because it hasn't worked. It hasn't been healthy for you. It's it's taken a toll on your confidence. Um, and like you said, you used to be a happy guy, and now you're, you're not because of this girl that doesn't like you. And so, you know, there you go. It sucks. It would be great if everybody liked us that we like, but it doesn't. Like, that's just life. All right, that was really long, and, uh, you know, hopefully everything works out. All right, we'll talk to you uh, on Wednesday. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Ryan Russillo Podcast.